Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining with us here as we continue on in our series, Back to Basics. And here's the big idea of the series. The big idea is that God is moving in your life. God is moving in the lives around you, but I really believe it's up to us to start to see and notice and to join in with what God is doing. But I don't know about you, but I would just say that this is true for my life, that right now, I think it's never been easier to be distracted and diverted from actually seeing and noticing God in your life. I don't know if you're feeling that too. Our world is just so distracting and it's difficult at times to find God moving in the midst of our lives. And it's not because God isn't moving. I think so often we don't see it or have a sense of it. And so what we want to encourage you with with this series is really four foundational practices that can help you to actually see God moving in your life. Because here's what I believe. I believe we need more of God in our lives, amen? All of us need more of God moving within our lives. And so we want to give you four practices that can actually shape you and form you to actually see, name, and notice, but then most of all to join in with what God is doing in your life and the lives around you. And last week, I shared with you one of the foundational practices, and that's prayer, and that we should be praying, and that we should be prayerful people, but that all of prayer is first based on the beautiful fact and truth that Jesus Christ is praying for you, and he is praying for me right now. This is where we begin, that Jesus is praying for us. And then today, I want to offer you another foundational practice to help us really see God moving in our lives. And that's the practice of reading and studying and being immersed in Scripture. I think that really matters for us. That if we are going to see God moving in our lives, we need to know how he has moved in the past. We need to be formed to see him in the present. And for that, we need to trust and submit to Scripture. So for this week, what I want to challenge you with is to actually study Scripture. And so today, today I want to unpack how do you read the Bible? How do you explore it? How do you enter into it? And to do that, I want to share with you two things here today. I want to share with you first what I believe is an appropriate approach to reading the Bible. And then I want to give you some practical tips on how to read the Bible. But first, I want to share with you what I believe is the right approach or lens or frame or theory or model to come to the Bible with. Because we all come with some assumptions when it comes to the Bible. Now, as soon as I say I'm going to share with you an approach to how to read the Bible, you might be thinking to yourself, like, really, we need to talk about how you approach the Bible? Don't you just, like, read it and that's enough? In fact, uh, my middle son, Asher, had that response that as many of you will realize, uh, that kids have been at home learning this past week. And Asher has the habit, whenever he is at home, if I'm working on a sermon, he will come right up and he's so interested. And he says to me like, dad, dad, like what are you teaching people about God today? He's always excited about this. So he bounced in and he said to me, hey dad, what are you teaching about God? Uh, what are you teaching about God today? And I said to him, oh bud, you know I'm gonna be teaching people this week is I'm gonna teach them how to read the Bible. And then he turned to me and he's like, that's dumb dad. He's like, why do you need to do that? He's like, you just read it, that's it, it's easy, right? And you might have that same perspective, that you just read it, you believe it, you follow it, that's it. But what I'd like to suggest to you, actually, is that in many ways, especially in the Western Evangelical Church, okay, that in many ways our approach to the Bible is so often warped or distorted, and we don't even see it or notice it or know it. Okay? I want to suggest to you that in many ways, sometimes our approach to the Bible is actually distorted and warped, because this is what all Christians should realize. And we should talk about this more often, but we don't. Right? That it is very possible, follow with me, it is very possible to read and approach the Bible in damaging and destructive ways. Okay? I want to say that again. That it is very possible for us to approach the Bible in damaging and destructive ways, in unhealthy ways, in untrue ways. Right? And I don't think we have to think very hard to come up with some examples of this. Right? Like there's often scriptures that are misquoted and misused in Facebook memes. We just have to look in history and how the church has treated both women and the aspect of slavery to see how scripture can be approached in damaging and destructive ways. And in fact, honestly, if we just pay attention to scripture itself, we would know this. 
Because Jesus, when he is tempted uh, by the devil in Matthew 4, do you want to know what the devil tempts him with? He tempts him through using scriptures, actually, in an unhealthy, in a damaging, in a wrong way. That what I want to suggest to you is that it's really quite possible for us to approach scripture wrongly. And I think in many ways, in the Western Evangelical Church, when it comes to the scriptures, we've actually approached it with some really bad habits. That we have some bad habits that we don't even know or realize. That far too often when we come to scripture in the Western Evangelical Church, our baseline is we approach it with an individualized, privatized, modernized way. That what we do when we read scripture is we read it about God just speaking just to me. We take it out of context. We don't put it in the history that it's there or the cultural interpretation that is needed or we especially don't read it in community. Instead, far too often when it comes to the Bible, the way we see it is as a personal self-help book that we can just privately read on our own. Right? And I'm actually very much for us reading the Bible, but I think that approach is really dangerous actually. It isn't healthy and it isn't helpful. Glenn Powell, in his book, which is an excellent book that I'd recommend, called Saving the Bible from Ourselves, he points out some of these negative ways that we approach the Bible, and he says this. One of the core reasons for our Bible engagement breakdown is that so many would-be Bible readers have been told the mistaken notion that the Bible is a look-it-up, find-the-answer, handy guide to life. I think that is a popular way that we assume the Bible and how we approach it. He says this, they've been encouraged to treat the scriptures as if they were a collection of doctrinal, devotional, and moralistic statements that can be accessed and chosen at will. This topic search mode of the Bible directly undermines authentic biblical engagement. And he goes on to say that the grave danger here, the grave danger here is that people think they're getting to the Bible when they're actually being led to a small sampling of Bible passages, often misreading them. He says, this superficial use of the scriptures is actually destructive because those who practice it operate under the illusion that they're engaging the Bible when they are not. And they're rarely even aware of what they're missing. And I think that's true. I think that's true. So today, I do want to talk about how do you read the Bible and how do you approach it? Because I think we need to approach it correctly with the right lens, theory, and framework, not as a search and find it kind of topical thing, but we need to approach it actually as a story of God working with people leading them to Jesus. This is what we need to do. So today, today I don't want to debunk all the poor ways of reading the Bible. Instead, I want to suggest to you one approach that I think is actually the right way to approach the Bible. And that when it comes to reading the Bible, this is the lens that we should see it through. That we should see the Bible and the scriptures as a grand, unified story that leads to Jesus Christ. I think this is the right approach when it comes to scriptures. That we should see it as a grand, unified story of God working with people that leads to Jesus Christ. I want to unpack those three things before we give you some practical tips on how to read the Bible today. I want to unpack what I mean by a story. I want to talk about how it leads to Jesus. I want to talk about how the scriptures are a unified witness that we need to trust and submit to. Okay? So first, first, I want to talk about the Bible as a story. Now, as soon as I say that the Bible is a story, I want to be really clear on what I don't mean. Okay? I do not mean that the Bible is myth, make-believe, or pretend. I believe in the historical reality of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection and God working with the Israelite people. The Bible matters for us to be taken as history. But I do believe then, since it is history, we need to approach it as a story with this idea. Okay? This is what I mean by this. That the Bible really is about God working with people, leading them somewhere. That there is a point to this book. There is a purpose to this book. There is a climax to this book. And we need to approach the Bible from that lens to understand that there are early parts of the story, later parts of the story, parts that reference one another, that we should approach the Bible as a story with different themes, connections, callbacks, and references that what we should not do when it comes to the Bible is we should not treat it flat, right? We should not treat it flat as if God is not working with people through history, moving them to a certain point, which I believe obviously is Jesus Christ. 
And I think when it comes to the Bible, we need to treat it as a story of God leading with people, moving them somewhere. And I think that this lens of seeing God working with people in history is the right lens to bring to the Bible. And it actually will help us to read it correctly and rightly and to avoid some misinterpretation. So I want to give you an example of how this can work, of how when you understand that the Bible is God working with a people, moving them towards a purpose, which is Jesus, moving them towards the climax of the story, which is Jesus, that this can help you to interpret it rightly and to uh, miss, you know, some wrong interpretations. And I want to do that through reading to you a passage that you might not be incredibly familiar with. It's in Deuteronomy 21, okay? So I want to read to you what is called in scholarly language the war scroll. And here are some of the rules of engagement for war for the Israelite people. And I want to be upfront with this, okay? The war scroll is a brutal section of scripture. It is, it's harsh, it's hurtful, it's really, well, you'll see in a moment. It can be really difficult. It's going to talk about what you can do to women after, uh, after war and after battle. And I want to read it and then see how actually placing the Bible as a story of God working with people, leading them somewhere, might help us to interpret it correctly and in a, in a more holistic way. So we read this in verses 10 to 14. Suppose you go out to war against your enemies and the Lord your God hands them over to you and you take some of them as captives. And you suppose you see among the captives a beautiful woman and you're attracted to her and you want to marry her. If this happens, you may take her to your home where she must shave her head and cut her nails and change the clothes that she was wearing when she was captured. She will stay in your home, but let her mourn for her father and her mother for a full month. Then you may marry her and you will be her husband and she will be your wife. And if you marry her and she does not please you, you must let her go free. You may not sell her or treat her as a slave, for you have humiliated her. And here's what the text is saying, to put this in more like colloquial language. Right? What the text is saying is that if you go to war and you kill off somebody's entire family and you see somebody who's attractive, a woman, and you would like to, her to be your wife, you would like to sleep with her, um, you may actually invite her into your home. You may take her as your wife. Once you've killed off her entire family, she will be your wife. And then notice with me, notice with me, the text says, if she doesn't please you, I'm going to keep this PG, but you can figure out what that means on your own, okay? okay? Uh, the Bible isn't always PG, if you haven't noticed, but I'm going to try to keep this sermon PG. If she does not please you, the Bible says then you can get rid of her, right? And you can see how this is a really harsh and brutal section of Scripture. What I want to suggest to you, though, is that if you treat the Bible as flat, as ahistorical, as not leading somewhere, you're going to have really struggle with passages in the Scripture like this. You're going to have to then kind of defend God's actions in this passage, as if this is somehow appropriate behavior, when... I think as Christians, we can clearly say this is wrong and inappropriate behavior. And why can we say that? It's not because we don't trust the Bible. It's that we've read the rest of the Bible because we know where the Bible is heading. So I want to invite you then to use this idea of the Bible as a story that is leading somewhere and to see if that helps with understanding this passage. And I think it does. That if we come to the Bible in this passage in particular and we ask, okay, where is the story at in this moment? Who is God working with? What is happening? What is the context around this story? What's the history that is happening? All of a sudden, we can see some different things in what God is actually doing and how he's actually working with his people. So we put this story in context. What we know in that Deuteronomy is that God in Deuteronomy, he's seeking to really coalesce the Israelite people into his people. And he's trying to call them out of the cultures that are around them and to making them into people that would reflect his values and who he is. Right? That's what's happening. And what we know from the world around them, if we place this in history and in context as a story moving somewhere, what we know is that in that time, in that day and age, there were general agreed upon rules of war, kind of like rules of engagement like we would have here in our world today. And in that day and age, here were the rules of war and the rules of engagement, okay? That whatever you conquered, you owned. That's how things functioned back then. It was brutal. It was so harsh. Whatever you conquered, you owned. And in that day and age, women 
Follow with me? This is unfortunate, but it was true back then. Women were not people, they were property. And whatever you conquered, you could do whatever you wanted with them. But I really believe if we approach this scripture and actually putting it into context about where things are moving, we can see things differently. And now that we know about the context of what war and world was like back then, and we put God's commands into that context, we can see some movement. We can see some trajectory. We can actually see that God's commands here are a giant step forward for that day and age. Right? That what God is clearly teaching his people is that women are not just property, they are people. He says you have to give them time to mourn. You can't just mistreat them and get rid of them. He actually is saying to the people in that day and age that you must treat women not as property, but as people. So now, understanding some of the context of that day and age, let's put God's commands into that context, into its appropriate historical context. And what we would see then, really, if we pay attention, is that God's commands are a giant step forward for that day and age. They're actually a limiting of violence. They're actually a raising up of women. They're actually a step forward for women in that culture. That is what's going on there. Now, of course, there needs to be many more steps than that. But if we do not read the Bible as a story heading somewhere, we will miss the step that God is taking with his people. And then what we should expect, we should expect further steps, actually. And we see this with the rest of scripture, that when it comes to the time of Jesus, we see these steps about valuing women and raising up women and treating them equally. This is confirmed with the rest of scripture. What we see with Jesus is, is that he overturns the everyday conventions of his world and he treats women equally. He even calls someone a daughter of Abraham, which was unheard of in that day and age. We also see this with Paul too. In Romans 16, Paul calls Junia and a woman a super apostle. That's his term for it for her, that she is a super apostle, showing that women can teach, preach, and lead. And then what we also see with Paul in Galatians is a really famous verse where he says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Everyone is equal. It's an amazing step forward. This is what's happening. But we will miss all of this. We will miss the steps that God is taking with people if we do not treat the Bible as a story, as God moving in history with people, leading them somewhere. That like every good story, there is a point, there is a purpose, there is a climax, and we need to read scripture in light of that. That there are early parts of the story and there are later parts of the story. And if we miss that and we read it all flat, we will miss out on the arc and the trajectory of what God has been doing in people's lives. And I could show you this example of how God actually works with people, bringing them to a new place over time and over history in many different ways. We could see it with Moses, where Moses says, an eye for an eye, that's a law. But then Jesus comes over and he says, no, 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 you need to turn your other cheek. We could see it also with slavery and how Jesus again overturns things and says that I have come to set the captives free. We can see it in many different ways of how God is working with people. But if we don't see the Bible as a story leading somewhere, we're going to miss out on that. So the first thing I just want to teach you is just really clear that the Bible is a story and it's leading somewhere. And where is it leading? This should be obvious as Christians. It is leading to Jesus Christ. It's leading to Jesus Christ. This is the purpose of scripture. It is to lead us to Jesus Christ. That I think when we come to scripture, an appropriate approach is not only to see it as a story leading somewhere, but we need to see it as leading to Jesus. That the Bible is all about Jesus, is all about teaching us about Jesus, is all about forming us to live like Jesus. It's about him. He is the climax and the purpose of scripture. And I think that this is important for us to see, that when it comes to scripture, we need to read it in and through the light and lens of Jesus Christ, that he is the full revelation of God. Hebrews puts it this way, actually, speaking about how God has spoken in many different ways, but then has actually led us to fully reveal himself through Jesus. Hebrews puts it this way. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. 
and through the Son, he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. And here we see really two things. One, that there are, uh, God has spoken in many different ways and in many different times. That's what he says. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors. Right? That God was speaking, but that uh, Jesus has become the full revelation of God. That he is the very character of God. Or in Greek, what is happening here in this passage is that really what it's saying is that Jesus is the grammar of God. Or as we've often put it here, that God is Jesus-y. So really, when it comes to scriptures, we need to read them in and through the light of Jesus because he is the full and absolute revelation of God. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. To understand who Jesus is, to understand who he is, to really fully grasp who he is, we need the entirety of the Bible. We need not only the Gospels, we need every single aspect of the Bible. That if we're going to understand who Jesus is, we need to understand the whole book. Because what we see in the Old Testament, what we see in the Old Testament is God working in and through the people of Israel to that culminates in Jesus. We need to know about all of that. What we also know is that Jesus prayed all the prayers in the Psalms, that the Old Testament were the scriptures that formed him. So if we're going to understand Jesus, we need to understand the scriptures that formed him. We're obviously going to need to understand the Gospels. We're going to need to understand the epistles, Paul's letters, right? Because this then is the early church's experience with Christ. And we need to know that. And then obviously we're going to need like the book of Revelation where we find out that Jesus wins in the end. We need the entirety of scripture if we are going to understand who Jesus is. That when it comes to scripture, I believe we need to approach it as a grand story that leads to Jesus. But we need all of scripture to truly understand Jesus. And Jesus himself actually makes this claim that you can learn about him throughout all of it, actually. And it's actually in a kind of a startling place. I want to read to you just a small section of his conversation on the road to Emmaus. And here's the context. Jesus has just died and um, been resurrected. But two people have left Jerusalem. And they don't know about Jesus' resurrection. They are actually in a space of doubt. And Jesus comes to them and he starts to talk to them. And listen to what he says. And he says this. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That what Jesus does here in this passage is that he turns to the Old Testament and he uses that to explain everything about himself. So when it comes to understanding the scriptures, when it comes to understanding Jesus, we need the entirety of the scriptures to understand him. So what I want to share with you right off the bat is when it comes to an approach to scripture, I believe that we need to approach it as a story that leads to Jesus. But the last thing I want to talk about is this, that it's a unified story that leads to Jesus. That when we approach the Bible, I believe we need to see it as a grand story that leads to Jesus, but it's also a unified story that leads to Jesus. That we can and should expect when we come to the scriptures that there is an inner coherence and a unity to the witness of what God is doing within the people of Israel leading to Jesus and all the scriptures that we read. That there is a real unity in what is happening. And I think that this really matters for us. That while at times the Bible does give us differing perspectives, that is a part of the Bible, right? There are four Gospels, multiple creation stories. First and Second Chronicles actually revisits First and Second Kings. But what we should expect is whenever we find a deeper difficulty that we might kind of encounter, what we should expect is that as we study and dig deeper, that there is a unity to the witness of the Scriptures. This has been my personal experience with it. Whenever I come to something that is difficult, challenging, or I don't understand, like Deuteronomy 21, the war scroll, the first time I read it, I was like, what do we do with this? But as I study the Bible deeper, as I trust in the scriptures more, as I submit to its authority, I have discovered every single time there is a unity to its witness, and I think that's what we should expect. 
that the right approach for us is not to gloss over difficult parts, but to trust in the unity of the scriptures, that it will lead us to Jesus, it will teach us about Jesus, and that we need to study and trust it deeply. So when it comes to the scriptures, I want to suggest to you really three things, okay, when it comes to the scriptures, putting all of this together. That a good approach to the Bible, that rather than reading the Bible flat and ahistorically, we need to read it as a story that's going somewhere. And then rather than reading the Bible aimlessly, we really need to read it in light of Jesus Christ. And that rather than reading the Bible shallowly, we need to read it deeply, trusting its unity. I think that this is a much more healthy approach than the kind of search and find topical approach we often take to the Bible. We need to actually approach it as a grand story that is a unified leading to Jesus. And I want to suggest to you three ways that can help you to read it in that way. Three ways that can help you to read it as that big story that leads to Jesus and is a unified witness from the Holy Spirit to us. I want to suggest to you three things. First, I want to suggest to you when it comes to reading the Bible, that you should read big chunks of it. Okay? This is my first practical suggestion. When it comes to reading the Bible, you should read big chunks of it. You should actually read books over chapters and uh, chapters over verses. I think far too often when it comes to the Bible, we read small segments rather than large ones. But I think we need to get back to the habit of reading large sections of Scripture. What this will do for us is a few things. First, it'll familiarize us with passages of Scripture that we might otherwise skip over. It'll stop us from just going to like our favorite passages, right? And it'll actually also start to help us to see some of the themes and the building and the movement of God within the different books that are happening. I think we need to get in the habit of reading large sections of Scripture. And in fact, you might know this, but you might not. Originally, when the Bible was wrote, there were no chapters, there were no verses, there were no headings or any of that. They were actually just large sections that were meant to be read, right? So I want to invite you, when it comes to reading the scriptures, I want to invite you to really immerse yourselves in it and to read big sections rather than just small ones. Now, personally, what I started a number of years ago is I started the practice of once a month just trying to sit down and read through one book of the Bible from, you know, beginning to end. And I can tell you this small the small little rhythm and practice of reading, you know, entire books of the Bible. This has shaped and formed me more than almost anything else. I've seen and noticed things that are brand new in it, that have just been uh, there the entire time that I've missed. I want to invite you to read bigger sections of Scripture. And as you do this, as you do this, of course this will be difficult at times. Of course this will be challenging at times. The Bible isn't always easy, and that's okay. That's okay. But it is necessary for us to learn. Again, Glenn Paul puts it this way. He says, The Bible needs to be saved because of what it has not become. It has not become a collection of books that we know, the narrative we stew in, the words that form us. The Bible needs to be saved because it has been falsely promised to us and falsely delivered. It has been packed aplenty, but unpacked not so much. The truth is that the Bible is not easy. The Bible is a challengeable, sizable library with a wide variety of ancient writings collected over a long period of time. There is no good reason to mislead folks about this fact. And yet those who take the biggest shortcuts with the Bible are frequently those who have the greatest things to say about it. And that's true. That's true. The Bible needs to be something that we are immersed in. So read big sections of it. Read large chunks of it. Don't just read verses. Read a lot about it, a lot about it so that we might be immersed in it. So practically my first suggestion is just to read big chunks of the Bible. Secondly, my next suggestion is to pay attention and ask questions about what you're reading. Okay? To pay attention and ask questions about what you're reading. I think that this alone will help you to pick up on so much. As you're reading the Bible, pay attention to it. Ask yourself what is interesting, what challenges you, what convicts you. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you are reading in and through it. And then as you are reading it, ask those questions I talked about and the big story of things. Ask, where is this happening? Who is being wrote to in this book? What is the history? What is the context? What's going on in this portion of scripture that you're reading? We need to get in the habit of knowing what's happening around so we can see the movement of God. 
And to do that, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to know everything about the Bible, to be able to understand some of the history and context, to be able to read it better. Actually, in fact, many of you, actually in your Bibles, there's likely before each chapter, there's like a little introduction into that book. Read that before you actually read the book itself. It'll help you to understand what's going on, some of the major themes, some of the things that are going on and being developed. So for example, if you were to read the book of Matthew, what you find out is that Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. So he is portraying Jesus as Moses, and you're gonna see that throughout the entire book of Matthew, which is why Matthew reads very differently than Luke. They have different audiences. Learn that stuff, it'll help you to actually understand it. And if it's not in your Bible, that's okay. Because the Bible Project is an online resource, and it is excellent, and it gives short introductions to every book of the Bible. Watch that video, and it'll help to actually introduce you to the Scriptures, so that you might read them deeper, so you might study with them more. Because I just believe that when it comes to the Scriptures, what we need is more study, more depth, more willingness to really submit and to wrestle and to question and to learn. So I want to invite you to read big sections of Scripture, but then also to question to it and to pay attention to it and to let God guide you through it. And then lastly, I want to invite you to not only to question and to study and to dig deep and to read big sections, the last thing I want to invite you to do is to focus in on paying attention for things to practice. I want to invite you to focus in to pay attention to things to practice. As we often say here at church, that we come to church not for information, but for transformation. And it should be the same when we come to the Bible, that we do not just come to learn new things, to learn what has happened, but instead to be shaped and changed and transformed into the likeness of Christ. That we should come with that focus. And in fact, when Paul speaks about the inspiration of the Bible, he points to it that the fact that the Bible was inspired, it was inspired actually to lead us in how we are living and acting. Listen to what he says actually in 2 Timothy 3.16, a really famous verse. He says this, all scripture is inspired, or that word in Greek means God-breathed, right? So all scripture is God-breathed, or all scripture is inspired by God. And listen to this. He says this, it is useful, here's the purpose, Here's the point of scripture. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, right? And then he goes on and says this. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The scripture is about transforming our actions, how we live, our behaviors. So when you're reading scripture and it talks about doing something like forgiveness, you should practice that. When it talks about giving, you should do that. When it talks about compassion or righteous or holy living, you should be asking God, who should I have compassion on? Or what does righteous and holy living look like for me today, God? What are you inviting me into? There should be a focus on practice. And I think this is the right way for us to approach scripture when it comes practically, is that we should read big sections of it, we should pay attention and ask questions of it, focusing on what we are called to do, practice, and to live. And then what's my main point today? My main point is really just those two things put together. It's that the Bible is a large unified story that leads to Jesus and teaches us to follow Jesus. Right? That's my main point today, that the Bible is a large unified story that leads to Jesus and teaches us to follow Jesus. And then what's my challenge this week? You probably saw this coming from the very beginning. Okay? My challenge is really simple. My challenge is, is, would you read your Bible every day this week? Would you read it consistently? Would you let it become a grounding practice for you? Would you get back to the basics of reading the Bible? And then how do we approach it? It's not just a search and find, just reading verses. We should approach it as this amazing grand story that leads to Jesus, right? That is unified in its witness to Jesus. That's what we should read it as. And then practically the ways we can do that is by reading big sections of it, is by asking questions and digging deeper, and then especially looking for what we can practice, what we can live, how we can act out what the Bible is asking us to do. So then practically this week, I wanna invite you to actually just read the Bible. And if you're new to reading the Bible, I wanna give you just a few simple suggestions. That first, 
find a Bible that you can actually read. One that a translation that you understand well. I preach from the New Living Translation. I really like it. Other people like the message or other translations. That's fine. Find a Bible that you can understand. And then secondly, secondly, what I want to invite you to do, and this might sound counterintuitive, but do not read the Bible on technology. Do not read it on your phone, actually. Okay? It actually doesn't help you. It'll actually be more distracting and doesn't let you see some of the bigger, actually, themes that go on. But one of the ways that technology can help us, actually, is that if you download the app version, what you can get the technology to do is to read to you the Bible. And this, this is incredibly helpful and a beautiful thing. So why not have scripture be played to you as you're driving rather than listening to a podcast? Why not put it on as you're walking? Why not put it on as you're cleaning the dishes or whatever it may be? Let scripture be read aloud to you because this, this is actually how scripture was meant to be experienced and engaged. It wasn't meant to just be privately read by ourselves. It was actually meant to be heard. So why not use technology in that way? Let um, technology read to you the Bible. It's a beautiful way to actually come to be immersed in the narrative of Scripture. So today, what is my challenge? My challenge is just to read the Bible, to read the Bible and experience God in and through it. Read it as a story because it is. It's of God's working with people, moving them to the amazing realization that Jesus Christ is true in his death and resurrection. Read it through that lens. And then as you're reading it, pay attention to the big chunks of things, asking questions, and most of all, looking for what you can practice. And I believe that as we do that, as we do that, that'll found, uh, provide a foundation for 2022 so that we might see God moving around us and that we might join in what he is doing. But to do that, we need the scriptures more than ever. So with that, would you join with me in prayer here today? Dear God, I ask. Ask as we come this week, especially to engaging in a, with our Bibles and engaging with you in and through the scriptures, I pray, God, would you speak to us? Would we see and notice uh, the ways in which you are challenging us to live rightly? I pray, God, would we hear you speaking to us through scriptures? I pray as we really um, come to seek to engage with you in this space, that, God, we would be changed, that we would be transformed, that we would actually learn to love and to live like you. And I pray, God, you would give us perseverance. I pray you give us discipline because sometimes it is hard. I pray you give us strength so that we might truly be immersed in the amazing beauty and wonder of the Bible. Might that happen for us this week. And I pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.